Hey, this is Mark Kassoff, and this is RPM 45. Philip Wright is lead singer and drummer of Paper Lace, famous for its 1974 hit, The Night Chicago Died. But right before then, Paper Lace had another number one hit, Billy Don't Be a Hero, in the UK and Australia, but not the US, where it was stolen by the notorious Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. No offense, Bo Donaldson, you're always welcome on RPM 45 to tell your side of the story. Until then, here's Philip Wright of Paper Lace. So where are you at right now? I'm in Nottingham in my home. Oh, okay. So you're from Nottingham, right? Yeah. So you've lived there all your life? I have, yeah. Okay. And your band started there? Yep, that's right. Okay. So how'd you get into music anyway? Oh, school. When I was sort of 13... In actual fact, in in my class of 35 boys, there was three bands sort of wanted to form, if you like, and um, I just ended up in one of them. Yeah, 62, 63, something like that. I was an apprentice, an apprentice toolmaker. And then I, I sort of uh, did my apprenticeship, a five five-year apprenticeship. And in 1969, I became 21 and uh, I got married and went professional. I was in a band at that time called The Music Box, which morphed into Paper Lace. So you uh, you were going to be a toolmaker, yeah. I guess. and But then at some point you decided that music was your thing and that's what you were going to do? Basically, because my dad said, look, you need to you need to have something solid behind you, you know, before you, before you leap into that... Uh, that uh, crazy business. Crazy world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I was I was doing it then. I, I'd got a, I'd got a kit and uh, and I was playing during my apprenticeship. In fact, I joined the Music Box, which became Paper Lace, in 1967. And you're a drummer. Yeah. And lead singer. Yeah. That's you on those hits. Yeah. And in 1970, we we actually entered a TV talent competition. It's called Opportunity Knox in in the UK. We entered it, you know, thinking they'll ring us up in a couple of days and we'll be on the show and all the rest of it. And um, six months went by and we thought, oh, well, you know, we've, we we knew that we'd done very well at the audition, but we'd not heard anything. So it sort of went out of our minds. And then in 1973, three years later, we got this letter through the post, um, would you like to be on the show? We've done a bit of recording we were re- releasing records and we really thought, do we want to go back to this talent show? Is that is that right for us at, the, at that particular time? And then we looked at the ratings and this show was getting sort of 7 million a week sort of ratings. So we said, no brainer, let's on the show. Tell me about the show. Is this like what we call American Idol here or something like that? It, it was like that. I mean, it's not no longer. It, it was really old format in actual fact. What you had to do was you, you saw these various acts. They're about sort of, what, four or five acts on a, a week, uh, one particular night, weekend. So it was sort of prime viewing time. That They had a studio audience uh, and they had a... a what they call a clapometer, <laughs> and that that registered the reaction of the studio audience. Yeah, and, I remember those. <laughs> and it, I mean, there was a guy at the back, sort of winding it up. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't legit. No, it was legit. Yeah, absolutely. But it was. There was no sort of. Uh, I mean, he was going on the volume of the clap. Oh, okay. It wasn't like they were measuring it. 
no, no, very low, very low tech. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, nowadays it would be a, a some sort of technical thing, and it would do it all on its own. Then the uh, the audience at home would have would have watched it, and they had to put pen to paper and post. It was all postal votes. Wow! No internet, of course. So and they did that. Yeah. And you used to get thousands of votes. I mean, thousands of votes. Well, I was amazed when you said that you got a letter from them from to, to, to join. I'm thinking, why didn't they just call you up? <laughs> well, they didn't have a phone number, did they? Oh. Phones and all the rest of it. You know, they were, they were in pretty short supply. Very low tech, everything. Low tech, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes think maybe those times are okay. Well, the, I can definitely see the advantage now that I see what the world has become with all the tech, you know? Of course, we wouldn't be talking right now if it was all the tech, so we take the good with the bad, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'd be on the phone, wouldn't we? Yeah. So, so you're on there, and yeah. people have to write in yeah. that they vote for you. Yeah. Like you were on every week? Well, if you got the most votes, yeah, then they'd have you back the next week. Oh, okay. But you only did one number, but it was all completely, totally live. No lip sync. No, nothing. <laughs> it's just, you know, you had to do it. And they, they mic'd you up very sort of sparsely. And in those days, I mean, when you think of TVs in those days, they had a little five-inch elliptical speaker, yeah, which was hopeless. I mean, the sound was yeah. just, wasn't, wasn't exactly hi-fi. It was uh-huh. lo-fi. Yeah, and did they have judges on this show? No, 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 no. it was all public. Wow, well, I'm very impressed. You have to really like someone to, to sit down, write a letter, put a stamp on it, go to the box. Well, not not in those days. I mean, that was it was commonplace, wasn't it? Well, that's true, yeah. It's a, it's a sad loss, really, that people don't write anymore. It's, it's when you get a letter written from someone, it's, it's quite an occasion, isn't it? Yeah, so did you win Opportunity Knox then? We did, we won it about... Three or four times, uh, we were on TD f- uh, for say four weeks on the trot. Four and weeks and seven million viewers—that's a lot of exposure. That's a lot of exposure. I mean, it did wonders for. I mean, well, we were getting recognised in the street. You know, it was it was that that good. Wow. And what's interesting to me is that you guys were wondering if you should do this or not. You weren't yes. sure. <laughs> you made the right decision. Oh yeah. It was, you know, just why why we even doubted the fact that we might not go on the show. Yeah. Now, in the days before you went on the show, what was your goal for the band? I mean, did you think of yourself, ultimately, I want to have hits and all that stuff? Or was it more like you're just, you're going to be playing bars and things like that? What what was your vision for what you were going to do? We all just wanted to be in a band. That's it. It wasn't uh, sort of hits and that sort of popularity. Uh, was was never at the back of your mind. It was it was just like well, I'm doing what I want to do. I love it, love it to bits, and uh, and I just want to be in a band. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's what I've been doing this uh, podcast since uh, summer June. And the thing that impresses me about this is is the people I've talked to. You realize they do it because they love it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not it's not it's not an easy it's not an easy life. I mean, there's there's so many knockbacks. That it would put it would put several people off, and the drug is is sort of applause and you know instant gratification of something that you do, 
and, and you don't get that with anything really with anything else i mean if, if you do a painting you've got to show it before you get any sort of recognition and before people can say i like that you know with a book you've got to sell a book there's no sort of instant appreciation there's no one there in in the room with you writing that book that's a very lonely existence absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and this opportunity not so i mean it was in more ways more ways than one the making of us really because in 73 when we appeared on the show uh, mitch murray and peter calendar who were the who were the writers of our hits uh, in actual fact peter calendar who's no longer with us he died in uh, 2014 but his wife connie she saw us on the show Oh. She watched Opportunity Knocks, and she knew that uh, Mitch and Peter had, had written this song, and they were they were thinking, you know, who who could we give it to? Do we need, do we launch a band with it, or do we give it to someone who is already established? What, what you know? And then she said, look at look at these these four young guys here. Look, look good, got great image. Why don't you, you have a word with their management? And and that's what they did. And was that Billy? Don't be a hero. That was right, yeah. Yeah, and then we, we went to uh, Mill Hill where, in London where uh, Mitch lived and we, he played us the song, a, a demo of the song, somebody singing it. And we said, yeah, yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. And we were all sort of nodding. And, yeah. and then you get taken up with the, the sort of excitement because these we knew uh, the reputation of these two. They'd so many hits. I mean, they were they were both multi-millionaires. Um, oh, the songs that they've written, uh, uh, it's, it's a long line. They've written for Freddie and the Dreamers, you know, sort of Liverpool bit. Yeah, I, I looked them up and I saw that. Wasn't it, I'm telling you now, is that the one yeah, they did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And then there was Jerry, Jerry and the Pacemakers. They wrote I Like It and How Do You Do It. Uh-huh. They wrote for Cliff. They wrote that uh, Hello, Sam, Goodbye, Samantha. They wrote that. Okay, I don't know that one. Cliff Richard was the uh, Elvis of uh, England, isn't that Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that was... Yeah, yeah, not so much, yeah, but okay, yeah. And then there was Georgie Fame, you know, remember Georgie sure. Fame? Sure, yeah, well, yeah. But they wrote The Ballad of Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, they did? I didn't know that. Oh, wow. No wonder they're millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> and they also wrote uh, a number, a couple of numbers for uh, the Tremolos. Silence and, is Golden? Yeah, that's right. So you record Billy Don't Be a Hero, and when you do, do you think that's a hit? By the time it was released, when, we, when we'd recorded it and we knew uh, that Mitch and Pete were completely behind it and they got things planned, they took us to, we, we did sort of photo shoots in all the sort of union gear, you know, the sort of uh, union soldier stuff. You know, you you just get carried along with it, and you think, yeah, this is going to be massive. You know, it's going to be such a big record, and and it was. It I think it entered at sort of fifteen, something like that, and it crawled up the the charts, and then it was number three, and then it was number one, and you think, God, top of the pops. When we were number one, Queen was number six. <laughs> I forgot because I'm in the U.S. I forgot that you guys did that record. Because to me, I think of Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. Yeah, they it. Yeah, <laughs> because, they stole it. Yeah, because it was our it was our intention to release it in the states. And had we released it in the states, we would have had a, a, a number number one, you know, prior to the other one. Yeah, 
we always look upon the night Chicago died as our follow-up because, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, Bo Donaldson pinched it, yeah. I didn't realize that you guys were the guys who started it, you know? Absolutely. In the U.S., it was Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. Yeah, I communicate with Bo Donaldson, in actual fact. You do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have, a, we have had a couple of chats and... Uh, yeah, he's seems he's quite a bit of an impresario now, isn't he? He does a lot of promotional stuff, and uh, I didn't know that. I haven't uh, I haven't interviewed Bo Donaldson yet, but I'll I'll put it on my list for sure. Yeah, I think he'll uh, he'd be a good interview. Yeah. So you you weren't mad at them at the time, or were you? No, because uh, we thought our version was better. <laughs> 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 we just thought, God, if they were going to do it, surely they're going to make a better job of it than that. Okay, but then you do Night Chicago Dine. Yeah. And fortunately, Bo Donaldson, they don't... <laughs> get a hold of that one. <laughs> they don't, right. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the, the reason he got a hold of it was that uh, Mitch and Pete were trying to do a deal with Mercury for us. And in actual fact, I think our version, it got, it got somewhere 50-something in the American charts. I'll have to look that up, yeah. We did still release it. I mean... Oh, no, it was out there. I remember that now. It was out there. But I thought you were the guys who were copying them. Shows how much I knew. Yeah. And then, and then as I say, we did the Night Chicago Died, and that just that just leapt. I mean, still, I get calls from uh, to the website from different guys in the States, you know, saying now it's still played and they still like it and... Uh, you know, it rings rings true, and they all think it's about Al Capone. Uh huh. And I have to sort of say, it's not about Al Capone. It's about a it's about a cop. That's what it's all about. The cops. Daddy was a cop. I, I have to tell you, I'm from Chicago. Yeah, all right. Wow. I am from Chicago, and I'm sure you've heard this before. <laughs> there is no east side of Chicago. <laughs> it's the lake, isn't it? <laughs> it's the lake. <laughs> no one says, "Oh, I'm an East Sider." You know, no yeah. one says that. Now, yeah. now we had in Chicago, we had a mayor, Mayor Daly, who was mayor ever since I was a little kid, and you know, he was this kind of chubby guy, kind of a gruff guy. You know, he was a, he could almost be a gangster type himself. You know, and apparently, he was not real fond of your record, from what I've read. That's right, yeah. He announced a fact. We wrote him a letter because he was he was up for re-election, I think. He was always up for re-election. Because <laughs> yeah, we I've got I've got several daily pins that they Do you? Yeah, that used to wear just souvenir things. And we, we said uh, we'd like to come, we'd like to come over to Chicago, we'd like to tour, we'd like to do some concerts. And we felt I mean this this was let a, a letter from our management to his sort of organization, if you like, um, about doing ourselves uh, uh, just a bit of good, you know, a sort of uh, mutual appreciation. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, and uh, and he uh, he wrote this letter back, and it was an awful letter. He was he was so mad with us. I've got the quote. Yeah, I've got a quote. You want me to read it? About throwing us off the bridge or something. Yeah, he said, a paper lace should jump in the Chicago River, <laughs> placing your heads underwater three times and surfacing twice. <laughs> That's our Mayor Daly. Yeah. But he, he didn't mess with that guy. Yeah. And, and the thing was, he uh, that letter was was published in the Daily Mirror. 
in 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 the UK. <laughs> so this is so much for our, our American friends. Yeah, know? so reaching out. <laughs> yeah. But I, I read that you guys couldn't come to the U.S. You, anyway, you, there was some problem with you coming in, so you never performed that song in the U.S. We never did, no. Why is that? In those days, it was a, a, a massive effort, very costly, to actually tour the U.S. We approached Mercury, who were our record company over there. We said, look, we need uh, some help, a bit of sponsorship maybe, you know. And, and Mercury were adamant. They said, look... We can get number ones without the band being over here, and we just proved it. So we got no, we got no help from our record company. And as the years went on, the record companies got wise, and they realised that that they'd have to help bands come over because it was the logistics of uh, equipment and all the rest of it. It wasn't like it is nowadays, where you say you send a list over, and and the promoter hires everything in and sorts it all out, and you get over there. Bands played with their own equipment, so they had to ship it all out. And, and it, it was a fortune to do that. It was never on the cards that we actually toured the States. I'm talking to people now about doing the States, but obviously everything's on hold. Now, so when you had a number one record and you're, and you're in England, and so you are big stars, what was that like for you guys? It was, it was still in the days uh, pre-punk, where people, uh, singers, people in bands and all the rest of it, t- on, on, only seen on TV, were like gods. They were real idols, pop idols. Kids used to sort of sit there with their mouths open looking at their idols, and that, that's how it was. We did outdoor things where we were mobbed, and, uh, yeah, just amazing. We had a fan fan club at the time, and uh, I've still got some of the letters that, that people used to write, you know, quite amazing. But it just takes you back. How did you feel about that? Because you started, you said that you just wanted to be in a band. Yeah. It wasn't like you had this dream of number one record, but you got one. Yeah. Well, you got more than one. Yeah. And it was, it was, it it was a sort of uh, in at the deep end. What's this? It's it's like you've landed on Mars. Was it overwhelming? Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. I remember uh, when, when we got to number one in, in the UK, Cliff, Fish, who was still in the band, he's the bass player. He and I were were staying in a pub in Wales. Um, we'd done a, a sort of three weeks uh, touring clubs and pubs and whatever you in, in Wales, and our record was going up the charts, and uh, we we were drawing crowds like like nobody did this. The, the places that we played were absolutely rammed. And um, I, I, we used to used to have to ring up on a Wednesday and find out your your chart. Sorry, a Tuesday and find out what your chart position was, so that you could make yourself available for top of the pops that happened on a Thursday. Oh, and um, <laughs> he rang up, and well, I rang up this particular got early and rang up, and I said, you know, where are we? And and they they were going, they were shouting on the phone. <laughs> I remember they said, you're number one, you're number one. I just couldn't believe it. And I, I, put, I, I put the phone down. I ran through into the bedroom. You'll never guess where we are. And he said, what? Sort of blurry-eyed. I said, we're number, we're number one. And we'll never have to worry about money again. <laughs> Is that <laughs> true? Think, <laughs> it couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> couldn't be further from 
you just don't realise. I mean, that, that's that's what it meant at the time. It meant that we would be fantastic earners and, you know, that would be it. Life is uh, good from now on. <laughs> well, I know you didn't come to the U.S., but did you travel all over the world or were you pretty much staying close to home? Well, you, <laughs> at the time you think, yeah, we've done loads of places, haven't we? And then you look at a, a map of the world and you've actually been nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> just, just one or two places, you know, and it was it wasn't uh oh, we really did Australia, Canada, New Zealand, uh a lot of Europe. We did a lot of Germany, a lot of France, not much else. I mean you tended to go where the record markets were, just to basically promote your records. I mean it, it's it's turned top topsy turvy now because in those days you um did a performance for very little return in the hope that people would buy your records. And you, you sold records. I mean, I've got gold discs and platinum discs and all the rest of it. I mean, Chicago did in excess of $2 million in, the, in the States. You know, it, it's great. But nowadays, you charge a fortune for a ticket for a live performance and you give your music away. There's no real music industry, is there? You know, it, it's not a money-making thing because it's streaming and you get third of a penny back for your streaming play. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. So after um, Night Chicago died, yep. uh, you did have another hit in England. Yeah. Black Eyed Boys. The Black Eyed Boys, yeah. Yeah. And uh, What happens after that? Uh, not a great deal. Uh, in actual fact, the Night Chicago died uh, only got to number three in the UK. I was surprised at that. Yeah, it did better in the U.S. than it did in the U.K. Yeah. Must have been Chicago. Yeah. So after the night Chicago died, we had uh, the Black Eyed Boys, and then we had uh, Hitching a Ride. Well, that's Vanity Fair song, right? It is. But it was uh, it was a, a Mitch Murray and Peter Callender song. So they wrote uh, a little bit extra to it, and it was called Hitching a Ride 75. So we released that. And it messed around in the sort of top 40, top 30, something like that. It did okay. And that was basically it. We went on to about 83 and we parted company, um, kept in touch. I got a proper job. I read you were a builder? Yeah, well, I went into the building end of things. I was always quite handy. I went into joinery, sort of carpentry. And then I got into uh, site management, joined a company, a a big family company in Nottingham. And I was with them for four four or five years uh, in management. And then I got the the sort of pangs of, uh, I'm missing the music end of things. And I joined a local band. It was a band called Sons and Lovers. And we we used to do the clubs again. And we used to finish off and sing Billy Don't Be Hero and the Night Chicago Guide. And people used to recognise me as the lead singer and all the rest of it. So it was, it did them a bit of good. It it put their sort of fee up, but it kept me doing what I wanted to do. Again, I've never been financially driven. And basically I was doing what I loved, you know, just singing in front of an audience and that was it. Now, at some point, though, you bring back paper lace, but there's another paper lace. Tell me about that. In 83, 84, uh, when we sort of parted company, one of the members, Chris Morris, he said, do you mind if I carry the band on? I said, I don't know. I said, you've got to be very careful. But as long as there's somebody original in the band, I suppose it's okay. 
but it was all a bit no contractual anything. It was just friends talking, really. And he had the name. Well, nobody had the name. No one had the name. No one had trademark. No, nobody registered it. Nothing. Huh? Stupidly, <laughs> he got three guys together and they went out and performed as paper lace. And after three months, he got fed up with it and he left. So then you've got three guys who got another member in and they've got nothing to do with the original band. They formed in 83, 84. So it was like 10 years after the hits, but they took credit and went out and said, this is Paper Lace, we're the originals, blah, blah, blah. So they said they were the originals. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, They wouldn't do it in a, a, a sort of environment where they could be taken to task over it. But when they played a club, they'd say to the audience, you know, they'd tell them that, we were the originals. We did this. This is a big hit from 74. Oh, my God. Well, but the, the people should have known. I mean, your fans would know who was in the band. and Yeah, but 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 in actual fact, if you're talking 10 years on, people don't know what you look like unless they've got this imprint of, oh, I remember them. They're, yeah, they had a singing drummer. They didn't have a singing drummer, and I thought that would have, you know, set people thinking, but it didn't. Anyway, they, they, they worked and worked, and about 2006... I'd, I'd kept in touch with Cliff and I said, you know, we, we want to put the band together. Because I, I was hearing stories about this other paper lace that they weren't very good and I thought they were ruining any reputation that we had. So I put this thing together and I thought, we've got enough material in the album material to redo this and sort this out. And um, I, I knew that the material that the other paper lace were doing was just awful stuff. They did the Night Chicago Died and Billy Don't Be a Hero, but they didn't do anything else by Paper Lace. They just did lots of covers at the time. This sort of got my hackles raised a little bit, and I thought, you know, we ought to we ought to put the band together and do this. So I, we did. And yeah. how are you feeling at this point? The, the change in musicianship and music, if you like, is that it's very difficult for musicians to maintain an income in one band because wow. you... You don't get the work. Mm. The venues are not there. So you'll find, well, all the people that I know have got her in one or two bands. And actually, fact, I mean three. You're in three? Yeah. The Trams? Yeah. Paper Lace. Paper Lace, my, my first love, if you like. Right. I do all the promotion on that. I was also asked to join, join a band called the Original Jukebox Heroes. All the members have a link with a 70s band. And we only do those songs that the link is with. So you, you're doing paper lace songs with them and they're doing other songs that they did back in the day? The guy that took over from uh, Noddy Holder in Slade. Okay, yeah. So we do Slade songs. There's a guy that sang with Andy Scott Sweet. So we do Sweet songs. Then we've got Phil Hendricks, who's in the band. Uh, and we do basically roller stuff. And then we have a guy on keyboards who is also in Paper Lace called Dave Major, but he plays with the true descendants of T-Rex. It sounds like a great show. It is. That's, well, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's been great talking with you. Absolutely. I've enjoyed it very much so. It's nice to reminisce. And, I mean, that's what, that's what you're interested in. And Absolutely. It, yeah, you get enthused over it. Yeah, it's good. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I so appreciate it. Oh, that's been, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, Mark. That's a nice guy. Philip Wright of Paper Lace. Thank you. 
and thank you for listening to RPM 45.